0: Oh, good morning again. Great to see everyone here. Um, before I start, just a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, people have asked me, are we going to replace Mike? The answer is yes. Um, second question is, have you found anyone? The answer is yes. Uh, third question, who is it? I'll tell you next week. Um, for reasons relating to where he's at and his situation, it's not being announced till next Sunday, but I can say uh, I'm very excited um, I think he's going to be a terrific uh, staff member here at St Matthews. He's uh, 40. Um, he's a family. Um, I won't say any more because you might try and start working out who it is, and uh, which would not be helpful for his ministry at the moment. Um, he's letting people know during the week. But you will find out next week. So that's exciting to know. And if you didn't catch up with the news, our new children's family minister is uh, Naomi Ireland. Uh, Naomi, when she signed up for it, had already committed to a master's course and she's in Israel. I'm not envious in any way. Uh, So she's over there on a study trip, uh, learning, and she's back here on Wednesday and she'll be back then full time. So she's been on deck for a couple of weeks, head off, and she comes back and that's uh, she's uh, already done a fantastic job. Why don't we pray? Father, we do thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here today. And I pray, Lord, as we commence this year that you would guide us and particularly today be our vision. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we start the year, in many ways I know in church life, January is a year, a month where people are coming and going. Uh, And I think for all of us it's been a very sad month uh, as we mourn the loss of Steve Fletcher. And I did want to say uh, on behalf of Kate who texted me last night, a very... Very big thank you to uh, friends and family and church members um, who've been praying for her, helping out and particularly helping on Thursday. It's been, if I can say, uh, very, very gratefully received. Uh, and if I can say as the minister, um, we just need to continue to walk with Kate and continue to support her uh, because no doubt it's a long journey. Well, today uh, I want to look at the, picture, uh, the question of our vision as a church. Uh, Vision Sunday. But uh, to kick us off, let me just talk about eyes uh, and the importance of vision just in general. Um, Our eyes, in many ways, are the window to the world. Uh, You wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off, and you start to see. You'll see uh, the red dot beeping, perhaps, with your alarm clock. Uh, You'll see the colour of your bed linen, whatever colour it is. Uh, You'll look out the window, you might see blue, you might see grey. Uh, you walk down the stairs. You might see red apples there. You might see yellow bananas. Uh, we're incredibly visual as people. In fact, um, people say that 80% of what we receive in terms of perceiving impressions come from our sight. Uh, it's an incredibly precious gift. And the human brain combines the fireworks of neurons of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and touching into this meaningful thing we call experiencing life. But of those five senses, uh, our sight is so important. Um, And let me give you uh, an illustration of just how important our sight and our vision is. Um, It may sound strange at first, but in addition to the sense of taste, the eyes also play a major role in deciding whether something tastes good or not. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, but you can look at food, and if it looks good, it will often taste good. Uh, You can look at food, and if it looks bad, how many of you will eat it? Even though it might taste good, sometimes you'll hear people trying to convince others, eat this. I know it doesn't look good, but it tastes really good. Um, And studies have shown uh, that our sight affects Our taste, now it's interesting, taste, we only have five tastes. We have sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and a new sensation that was discovered just in the last hundred years, uh, umami. Now, I might not be pronouncing it well. It comes from Japan, uh, the research, uh, and it translates roughly to that meaty, natural flavour, and it's especially found in tomatoes, cheese, and meat. Now, I actually quite like that flavour, I can't quite describe it to you, but I do know I love my meat. Now, just to show you the impact, though, you see, taste, five senses, uh, five ways of delivering it, but our sight, there's just thousands of different colours that make up the rainbow. Um, Some professional wine connoisseurs were invited in for some research, and some French researchers offered these professional wine connoisseurs white wine that had red food colouring added to it. And did you know nine out of ten professionals could not distinguish it from ordinary red wine? The power of the brain, the impact of vision. Now why don't I say that to you? Um, I think at the start of every year we need to clarify our vision because there's no doubt our vision for what we think life is about and what we are about as people and what we are about as church is so important to us and we've got to actually get clear every year why are we here. Why am I here just as a person on this planet is a very important question you want to keep re-clarifying at the start of every year. Why are we here as a body of believers? You see, we are not a religious club that is to go about just having religious activities. Uh, We're not a social club that is just called to, in a sense, look after each other and make deep friendships together. Uh, We are a church and we're a people that's been called by God to mission. Now what I want to do this morning is just have a brief look at a picture from the early church, God's blueprint for his people. So if you've got your uh, Bibles there, open up to page 1079. Now as I start, I just want to reflect on what is the vision of St Matthews and you've probably seen the canvas that's over there on my left, on your right, that church. Uh, what, What do those two words mean and how do they relate to our vision? Well, that church is a vision for being that church in this community that is known by three very distinct qualities, love, grace and truth. They are the foundation for who we are. And my vision has always been, and our vision is, uh, that we will be a church that is known in this community by God's love, grace and truth. Uh, In other words, when people meet us and when our church is, if I can say, being the church, be it when we're gathering here, when we're ministering in the community, or, or when we are as individuals out in the world, when people meet us, they meet a group of people who are profoundly marked by God's love, His grace, and His truth. And they hear it from us. They see it in us. They experience it from our hands and from our lives. I'll come back to that. But how does that relate to what we see God's picture and God's vision for His people? Well, I've got a couple of points I want to make. First, clarity of vision. Um, The beginning of the story of the church is the beginning of a clarity of vision about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The church began first when the Lord Jesus, in a sense, gathered 12 disciples to follow him. It was formally launched on the day that the reading took place from the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. What needed to happen was for this group of people, the disciples, to understand who Jesus was and to get a clarity of vision about his identity. You see, they walked with him and they knew that there was something incredibly special about the Lord Jesus. They watched him as he ministered and as he taught and they knew that the stamp of God was upon this man. But what took them, though, three years and a few months to clarify was that this was not just a man, the Lord Jesus, this was the promised Messiah and not just the Messiah, he was the risen Lord who was here to rescue humanity and was calling people to himself. Now, the book of Acts records the beginning of the uh, church and the way God worked in her. And it begins with this first message. And what this message was, if you can put it this way, is really a message to stand up, Peter to stand up, and say to all his brothers and sisters in Israel, let me clarify for you who the Lord Jesus is. Because this message really is about him and calling people to respond to him. I'll read to you from verse 32 of Acts chapter 2. Have a look with me in your Bibles there. God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he's been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then he says these words in verse 36. You can see them on the screen. Therefore, let all Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. What took place at the end of those three years was this. Uh, The disciples got a clarity of vision about who the Lord Jesus actually was. Uh, They knew there was uniqueness and specialness and godness about him. But what was clarified after the resurrection and as they met with him for 40 days was that in the words of verse 36, this man that you crucified, God has made Lord and Messiah. And you can see the emotion in this. You see, he's standing before probably 10,000 people. Uh, it records 5,000 men. There would have been women there. There would have been children there. And he looks them in the eyeball and says, this one you killed. You crucified him, but God has raised him from the dead and he is Lord And Messiah. And note the language. Know with certainty. In other words, get clarity on this important, life changing revelation. This one that you thought was just some rebel that you put to death, actually, he is the promised one of God. And not just that, and there's two very important words he is the Lord, and he's the Messiah. Now, the Lord is a word that is used there for, if I can say, God in the Old Testament. And he's quoting a psalm to refer to this, that what has happened is with the resurrection, Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God as the Lord. He is the one who is over all people, who has all authority. He is the one who rules. He is the one that's above every other name. He is the one who will return to judge the living and the dead. He's the Lord. And he's also the Messiah. He is the promised king who comes to rescue. And you see, the clarity of vision that the disciples had began with a clarity about who the Lord Jesus is. The church only exists because Jesus rose from the dead. The church began as they got clarity on him. At the centre of us is the risen Lord Jesus. Now it took the disciples just over three years to grasp it. But once they grasped it, they realised that Jesus is the Lord, he is life, Jesus is our hope, Jesus is the reason for going on when life is tough. Uh, Jesus is Lord and King. Jesus is with us every step of our life. Jesus is love. Jesus is forgiveness. Jesus is light. Jesus is truth. Jesus is more uh, than, if I can say, the best experience that you'll ever have in this life. Uh, Jesus is more important than surfing. He's closer than my barista. Jesus is tasting better than any 3 hatted restaurant dish that you might get served up at the Quay. Uh, you see, they were profoundly changed when they got clarity on who Jesus is. And I want to say to us, uh, one of the most important things we can do at the start of the year is clarify in our own minds who this Lord Jesus is. Is he the Lord? And more importantly, is he your Lord and my Lord? And is he your saviour and king? I must say, if you ask me the question, who is Jesus to me? um, The words that came to me so profoundly this week is, he is my hope. As we sadly had to farewell Steve. It was profoundly comforting in the midst of the grief to know that Jesus is our sure and solid foundation. And that Steve is with him now. You see, what we're on about is the Lord Jesus. And that is our mission, to bring him to this world, which leads me to the T-shirts. What are these T-shirts? And it's not just T-shirts. We've got snap caps. We've got all sorts of stuff that you can wear. Um, Max has even got a bag that he had on this morning at 8 o'clock. We've got shopping bags you can have down at the um, shopping centre. Uh, We've got stickers to put on your car. What is this? Um, Well, let me explain about what's happening. The churches across the northern beaches uh, for four weeks from March running up to Easter, it kicks off on Monday the 17th of March, are asking one simple question in a united way. Who is Jesus? Uh, we are beginning a conversation with the community, with our friends, with our family, with the people that we bump into. And the churches from here all the way up to Palm Beach and out to French's Forest are together combining to ask this one simple question. Jesus is. Now, you can see the T-shirt and you can see the logo. Um, What we're doing is we are, if I can say, trying to be provocative to start a conversation with people. You see, the world we live in has changed profoundly. I know you all know this, uh, but 50 years ago, evangelism, you would get someone like like Billy Graham to come out and we would all invite our friends to hear Billy. Now, uh, things have progressed from that, uh, but where we are today is this. uh, We live in a culture where the name of Jesus, yes, it's known, but as a swear word or a word of derision. Uh, He's not the one that's worshipped as the Lord and Saviour King. And more importantly, he is not understood. People don't know him. Uh, People don't know the story of him. Uh, Our Christian consciousness and memory fades every year. Let me put an interesting statistic up for you. I'll come back to those. Um, I went through last year the Australian Bureau of Statistics for the Census for Australia. And I wanted to look particularly manly and what the stats showed about us as a community. And there's all sorts of very interesting things. 70% of people in New South Wales live in a standalone house. In Manly, it's about 15%. Most people live in apartments. It's about three times the state average. Now, when you look at religion, um, it's interesting. The state average for Anglicans is 20%. In Manly, it's 18%. The LGA figure is what is the local government area, in other words, our electorate. Um, 23%. But the fascinating one was no religion. When you look at New South Wales, it's 18%. When you look at Manly, and the LGA is not much different, uh, it's nearly twice that. 30% have no religion. Now, what that says to me is this. uh, We live in a very irreligious part of the country. We have nearly twice the national average of people who would say they have no religion now this probably won't surprise you when you think about the people you engage with um, but we're meeting and we're ministering in and we're here placed in a community that has very little christian consciousness and it's understanding of the gospel is just not there so how do we reach these people what is our vision for how we reach them well let me tell you um Yes, people do walk in the door. It's one of the unique things about St. Matthews. We have more people that walk in this church than most churches. But the reality is, as you drive here, you probably know there's thousands of people who aren't here. I see them every morning as I come down to church on a Sunday. They're down the beach this morning, aren't they? It's beautiful down there. It's a great place to be. What we must do, I believe, is start a conversation with them. In other words, we need to seek to understand before being understood. Um, people are not just going to hear the gospel and come to Christ, typically, though some may. And the Jesus Is campaign is all about actually starting lots and lots and lots of conversations across this whole region on this one most profound and simple and important question. Who is Jesus? In fact, it's the question that is at the centrepiece of the gospel. The turning point of Matthew, Mark and Luke, and we saw it in Luke's Gospel, is around one question. Do you remember what it was? Do you remember the episode? Jesus is at Caesarea Philippi. It's in Mark chapter 8. It's in Luke chapter 9. It's in Matthew 16. And he turns to his disciples and he's been demonstrating his authority over all things. And then he comes to the point and he asks them, friends, who do you say I am? And they look at him and say, look, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say a prophet. But he looks at them and he eyeballs them. He says, now who do you say I am? And Peter in this moment of divine revelation says, if you remember the words, you are the Christ. The whole gospel turns at that point as they start to realise and they've got clarity on it after Jesus had risen from the dead. And this is what we need to talk about about our community with, who is Jesus. And so the T-shirts, the hats, uh, the shopping bags, the car stickers, they're all designed to intentionally help us start conversations. This is how it works. Uh, I tried it out last year and I wore one to one of my coffee shops I go to and I get there and uh, the lady who serves the coffee, Alex, looks at me and she looks at the T-shirt and she goes, Jesus is, oh, she goes, you want me to complete the sentence. This is all out loud in front of everyone. And she and before I could say a word, she goes, oh, Jesus is awesome. Now, you ready for coffee? I said, yes. Next to her is Caitlin. Caitlin is a university student. And she's just listening, going, what's going on? <laughs> and I said, oh, churches across the northern beaches are wanting to start a conversation and ask people to complete this sentence. Jesus is. How would you complete the sentence? And she looks at me and goes, huh? <laughs> now at this point there's six people lined up with caffeine addiction behind me. And I'm thinking this is not the time to have the conversation. And so I said, look, that's all right, we'll have a chat another time and I'll, I'll, we can chat about it. You see, we want to start conversations with people where we understand where people are coming from. And that's why we've got a website where we want to point people to. And every day an article on Jesus Is will come out from people from different churches from the northern beaches. And so I'm going to write on why Jesus is closer than my barista. Um, they're designed to get people thinking. There'll be short articles. We want to use Facebook to, if I can say, let this be the topic of conversation by Christians across all of the northern beaches. Now you can see some of the ones up there. We've deliberately put up on the website responses sponsors that people who aren't Christians would say, yes, Jesus is not great. Uh, Jesus is an imaginary friend. Because we know that's how people feel and so we want to engage around that conversation. And what we're saying to us is buy a t-shirt, buy a hat and wear it, Uh, get a shopping bag, get a badge. We've deliberately tried to get, if I can say, apparel that suits all ages. Now, I don't think we're going to have enough hats because uh, Marie Stane in the office said, oh, my boy's going to want one of them. And I understand just for the old people like me, apparently you keep the sticker on and that makes it even cooler, okay? Is that right, Dave? Yep. Anyway, I was about to take mine off off Dave's hat and he said don't touch it. (laughs) So that's what's coming. We'll be launching this with a beach service down at Manly Harbour and we'll have activities on that day to actually not just gather but to go out. And churches across this region are all doing it and we invite you to be a part of it. That's the first thing we need clarity on, who Jesus is. But when that happens and you get clarity, you get movement. And what I mean is this, once you understand clearly who Jesus is, It will profoundly affect you as you receive him into your life. The day I became a Christian, I had what I would call two spirit-led instinctive responses to becoming a follower of Jesus and accepting him into my life. The first was I just wanted to tell people, and this was very bizarre for me because my great fear before I became a Christian was what would people think of me? But automatically, and I take it it was the spirit of God at work in me, I just wanted to tell people. But secondly, um, God put it on my heart and moved me to start helping my mother dishwashing. And I think that's what happens when the spirit of God comes into our life. We want to share about what's happened and who has changed us, Jesus, and the spirit of God causes us to love people and serve people. It is profound. You see. When you know who Jesus is, you will want people to know him. And you come to the next part of the passage and Peter has these words, there on the screen, um, coming up. Verse 38, repent, Peter said. In other words, turn to this person, the Lord Jesus, and be baptised, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, receive the Lord Jesus into your life you'll receive forgiveness, be baptised into his name, you'll receive the Spirit, you'll be filled with him. It is wonderful, come to Jesus and receive him. And you see, as you get clarity, and as we get clarity, we realise our calling is to live for Jesus in this world. And that's how the church began. Friends, as we start the year, the mission and the vision have not changed. Yes, we've got some new things we're going to be doing to enable us to fulfil that mission and vision. But the vision is that we will be that church here in Manly who are making disciples as we connect with our community, as we gather on a Sunday and grow and serve people. By being that church that is built on Jesus' love, grace and truth. That is the vision and the call to make disciples has never changed. The call to get Jesus out in the world and be on mission for him has never changed. Uh, This year we're doing it a particular way, with Jesus is for the month leading up to Easter. But that is our vision. And when you get that vision clear and you start living it out, you see there's a passion that grips a church. And you see this in the early church. There was this incredible passionate church life. And I'll just reread that passage we had. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The reason I say they were passionate is you see at the very beginning this one word descriptor of what was happening in the church. They were devoted. There was this sense of devotion or passion about the life that took place with those who responded and received the Lord Jesus Christ into their lives and who were filled by the Spirit. And the first thing is they were devoted to God, uh, to the Apostles' teaching, which is the Word of God we have in the New Testament. There was great sense of passion to understand the Word and to put it into practice. It was profound. There was a great sense of devotion to the fellowship. I'll come back to that. There was a great sense of devotion to the breaking of bread, which is a technical term for communion, they were worshippers. And you see, uh, this was not just this human community. This was a community that God was in the midst of, working powerfully. It was a great sense of God by his spirit filling this church. Uh, The descriptions are they were filled with awe, many wonders, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The Lord added to their number daily those being saved. God was in the midst of this community as they gave themselves to him. And they were devoted to prayer. And I wonder as we start the year, what is your devotion to God like? I think the start of the year is always a great time and the reason for this is um, we get tired as the year goes on, Uh, we can develop bad practices and habits and we forget to do things, etc, etc. And it's like you get a fresh start every year. Uh, It's just the nature, I think, of how calendars work in our human experience. And I want to say to us as we start the year, uh, are there things that you need to say, actually, I need to rebuild this into my life or I need to start doing this in my life? And I would say to you two things. One is, um, what's your walk with God like as you start this year? Are you in the habit and practice of reading the Word and praying each day so that you're walking with Him, being filled by His Spirit every day so that you are his person in the world, strengthened and envisioned by him. Friends, let's start the year well and walk with God well this year and let us meet with him each day in private. Let us gather on a Sunday in his name and let us grow together in our groups during the week But in particular, I do want to challenge you about fasting to start the year. I just think it's such an important thing that we mark our calendar and say, I'm going to give this week to you, God. And I'm going to seek you in our family and with me as a person and us as a church and seek your guidance and your blessing upon this year. I want to read to you a testimony of someone who prayed and fasted last year and the encouragement it was for them. Dear Bruce and Mike, I wanted to give you some feedback about our prayer and fasting week. We did it over the past week. They did it a couple of weeks later because the actual date was difficult with the kids starting school and the mother was in hospital. We did a technology fast, family with young kids, which turns out to have had the biggest impact on us. We are all tech heads. We had no TV, no computer, No internet, no iPods, no DVDs. I can just hear some children saying, I'm going to die. This is hard given that we use these devices so much. It was like a huge hole in our lives and I wondered if we would even make the week out. In the place of having these distractions as a family, we did Bible study together and discussion from the study and we prayed together. We focused on gratitude and people we felt called to pray for. It was a brilliant and trying week, but ultimately incredibly enriching. And as I have many non- and even anti-Christian friends, I announced it and explained why we're doing it on my Facebook page. All those friends were very respectful and encouraging. As I explained to my kids, we must always nail our colours to the flag. One friend even named it E. Lent. Anyway, thanks again for the opportunity to get closer to our Lord. And I read that to you to encourage you. Seek the Lord as we start the year and build practices so that you walk well with him and we walk well together. Let me just finish on the note, uh, the prayer and fasting week. Um, If you want to sign up, come and see me afterwards. I've got the forms. If you just want to do a day of fasting and just put your foot in the water, come and sign up for a day. And I'll be sending people special prayer points who sign up. Uh, And we've got prayer down here every morning, if I can remind you, 7 to 8, and then at lunchtime. Um, And then the prayer meeting is on Wednesday night. But the last thing I want to mention is this. Um, They were devoted to each other. And that's the profound thing you see. They were devoted to the fellowship. Uh, They had everything in common. And as we start this year, start with God, devote yourself to him, but we actually need to devote uh, to each other in the mission of growing together in Christ and reaching out with him. And I think it's a profound picture to give us clarity on what we're here for. You see, our mission is to make disciples. That is the vision God gives to us. And we will do that as we get clarity on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, it will empower us and give us energy to make him known. And the vision of being that church built on Jesus' grace, love and truth, I believe in it deeply because my prayer and passion is that when people from this community meet us, be it as a group or as individuals, they will see they will experience, they will hear these three things. They will see a person profoundly changed by the grace of God. You see, God's grace transforms us to being new people and my prayer is we will be different to the world around us as God's grace changes us and as we testify to that. They will experience... Experience from us a love that is profound and they will meet people who love like they've never seen before and they will also hear from us the message of Jesus and point people to him. May that be our vision this year to be that church as we seek to make disciples for him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Give us a clarity of thought and understanding and experience of the Lord Jesus. May we live for him in this place called Manly. Be our vision, Lord. Be our strength, be our power as we seek to be that church. In Jesus' name, Amen. Max is going to come and lead us now in communion.